0: In this episode, we interview Dan Corliss about his experience going through multiple consulting firms, starting with Deloitte and ending most recently as a principal at Oliver Wyman. We hear about his career challenges, mistakes, and opportunities that he both took and took advantage of. And finally, we hear about some personal fun things about his life and career. So our interaction with Dan began. Uh, I actually am hesitant to say the number of years because I think it was five years ago, but it may have been More than that. even Six longer. Or seven at this okay. point, yeah.
1: I know.
0: yeah um, so we we worked with Dan as he was beginning to take a look at consulting as an experienced hire moving in and. Our, were super excited to hear about his background. It was incredibly relevant for consulting. We felt like he had a great shot. Um, I actually had the chance to work with him directly, which was uh, w- which was really fun and a very humbling experience because Dan, as you will hear, is kind of an all-star and has been throughout his career. Uh, but his move into consulting was also really compelling. So we worked not just on cases, but also on Uh, building his story. And then I've remained friends and uh, colleagues as uh, Dan has come to speak really actively at our different seminars that we hold in New York City. Um, He's joined us on call. So Dan, welcome back. We're really glad to have you. And thank you for staying in touch over the years. We really enjoy our relationship with you.
1: No problem at all.
0: My first question in my pre-planned questions here is uh, just what do you wanted. tell me what you wanted to be when you grew up professionally. So as early as you knew that uh, in a way that it was semi-relevant to what you began with, it would just be helpful to have a little personal context about the beginning of your career.
1: Right. I mean, from um, when we think about consulting, there was just kind of uh, a non-direct path. I mean, a lot of folks, um, you know, they go in undergrad and they come out go into consulting, they just know, or they come out of B school and it's just an obvious thing for them, um, or whatever their career path may be. Uh, for me, it wasn't uh, so direct, but, um, uh, you know, even early on pre-business school, I was uh, a sales rep for a very large company and, um, it's kind of a Walmart for the biotech industry, just sold lots of stuff they use for research and, and development purposes and consumables and equipment and whatnot. And, uh, it was just a giant catalog of stuff. And I had a, very large account that we had a locked in agreement with and I had to find ways to grow the business and um, And just going door to door wasn't going to work. So I, I was reading the Harvard Business Review and I was reading about strategies that, you know, Procter and Gamble used at Walmart or somebody did a Target or some giant corporation did somewhere to enter a market and, and I started like, you know, sketching it out on paper, like maybe I could do that here. Um, and, uh, you know, so things like that were early for me to kind of think about how can I strategically attack a problem and like pull it apart into its elements, et cetera. Um, and that led that led me to business school. Then business school led me to GE. And um, you know, it was a GE a long time. But my first kind of interest in consulting at GE was I was in a leadership program. So it was four, six month rotations, like very consulting, like where you parachute into a business and um, you have to solve a problem in six months. So you by yourself basically and you give it a one pager And you have to figure out something complex, boil it down. You need to know the people, the process, the technology and and, uh, get a solution done and then get like the people to buy in on your solution and kind of start the ball rolling on implementation. So I did that for two years, just like four of these rotations. And I really enjoyed that. And um, and then in my roles at GE, I was like a business builder. I would restructure businesses I'd kind of go into the burning building and fix it. Um, so, again, it was like, okay, figure out what's wrong, kind of build up the frameworks, build up the solution plan and start rolling it out. Some of the things you might do in consulting, but the pivotal moment for me was one of my last roles at GE. And by then, I'd worked my way up to a director. My boss was the executive general manager. My boss's boss was the CEO, uh, by a guy named Kieran Murphy, who now runs all G Healthcare. And they wanted me to solve a very large strategic problem for a billion-dollar business. And um, I was being mentored by my boss, who was ex-McKinsey. And um, just, I would go to him and we'd be like hashing things out and he'd say, you know, when I was at McKinsey, you know, this is how we would think through this problem. He'd draw out like a nice framework or, you know, it's a cliche, but just kind of a way of thinking about a problem. And I said, wow, this is really cool. I'd really like to learn more about this. And I realized that I'd been solving problems strategically, but I'd also been kind of brute forcing things um, and, you know, hitting things with a sledgehammer and maybe not the greatest data analysis, et cetera, because I didn't really understand, you know, how to do it yet. Um, So I said, you know, where can I learn more about this and where can I attack more problems and with this rapid fire uh, kind of turnover of of projects, et cetera. And consulting was something that, um, you know, seemed important to me. So throughout my career, there was like elements of consulting or me being drawn to a consulting type solution for a real problem. Um, But it was really that last project, uh, project, but like last role at GE where my boss was you know, this ex-consulting guy from an elite consulting, went to Wharton, went to McKinsey, and here he was as a, a senior leader at GE, and he's like walking me through stuff on his whiteboard and how to set things up, frame things, and even setting up the final deck. This is how we would lay it out, et cetera. Uh, socializing it, just all these things that, you know, I probably wouldn't have known. And that's what kind of made me think about moving into consulting as a career choice, or at least a part of my career to add tools into the toolbox of who I am as a professional.
0: Amazing. So question for you, you, I I know a little bit about your background. So as a spoiler, I know where you went, but when you were surveying the landscape of firms, the first place that you joined was Deloitte. How did you decide that Deloitte would be a good fit and a good place to go after GE?
1: Yeah, you know, it's, that's a great question. I get a lot. And um, I was, you know, there's, there's boutique consulting firms that may focus on Um, niche areas or there may be very focused firms that do like one thing, like economics research or something like that. But uh, I I was at a big like conglomerate type company and I kind of was drawn to the big conglomerate, like consulting model. Like I like the idea of like these these, really big problems and, you know, the idea of like navigating a large organization wasn't um, daunting to me. Uh, Going to the world's largest professional service organization and trying to figure it out seemed to me, seemed, Totally fine, you know. I global <laughs> global clients, global projects. Um, I worked on a lot of cross-border projects, so that to me just seemed totally normal. Given I used to run global businesses and I had people working for me around the world at GE, so this is fine. Um, so Deloitte seemed like a really great place, um, and the nature of the work that they are doing at the time and still do to a certain degree is kind of strategic implementation. Um, so they do a lot of strategy and they do a lot of strategic There's kind of that middle ground between like pure implementation, and pure strategy, and they do pure strategy and they do pure implementation. But a lot of the work in strategy and operations, which is the service area that I joined at Deloitte within Deloitte Consulting, was really focused on how do we refine the strategy and then make make it real. So like really like rolling out that strategy. Kind of like I'd call it 20,000 feet, not 30,000, 40,000 feet and not like hitting the ground, but that kind of middle ground. So there's a lot of meat on the bone. So the engagements were maybe not like your typical short four to six weeks strategy, pure strategy. And they weren't necessarily six, nine, 12 months like implementations. They were usually like eight to 12 weeks. So you know two to three months. So they're kind of that middle ground between pure strategy and pure implementation where you're doing a little bit of both and you're getting involved with some operating elements, but some strategic elements. So that was really what was interesting to me and they have a big life science practice as well. So I joined uh, Monitor Deloitte. So Monitor used to be a standalone firm, was acquired by Deloitte. Um, You're seeing that with like Booz Allen being acquired by PwC to create strategy and Parthenon being acquired by EY. So they have EY Parthenon. So they have these like pure play strategy um, houses within their larger consulting organizations and it gives them kind of a broader range of services. So that's where I was um, and where I landed, why I I, I selected uh, Deloitte.
0: Now, I'm going to linger on Deloitte just a little bit because Mm -hmm. it was your first place that you landed. So it was the freshest consulting experience that you had. Can you just talk a little bit about your application process and your interview process to get into Deloitte and Mm -hmm. how easy you felt that was compared to what you needed to do to get into GE and kind of how your experience had been in a large Mm -hmm. conglomerate?
1: Yeah, I mean, so uh, GE was like they came came to campus. So I actually did the campus recruiter route with GE. They came to campus. Um, I had a very specific background for G- GE. required five years of commercial experience, either consulting uh, or some kind of sales and marketing kind of commercial background. Um, so, five years, which most B-school students don't have. A lot of B-school students have three, maybe four years of experience. So you wouldn't even be considered unless you had five. So I had five and a quarter years from that. But, so you need to have experience and progression in the career. So you had to be a sales rep and then a senior sales rep or consultant, senior consultant, et cetera. Um, and you need to be at one of their target schools. Uh, so there was like a, there was like a pretty high bar just to like start the conversation. Um, and they only recruited at a like 15 or so schools. So uh, that was another area there. Um, and then there was just, it was a lot of fit interviews and then um, which, for some people is easy and some people it's hard. It depends on your background. Um, And then I remember the, they had, there was like a super day. It was like after several rounds of in person and phone and there was a on-campus dinner and you're being watched during the dinner. Right. So like, it wasn't just let's go have fun. It was like, they wanted to see how you behaved with each other. What kind of questions did you ask? Were you polite? Did you like hold the door for somebody, you know, like, are you someone who thinks about others or just think about yourself? So that like you're, a lot of people didn't realize that they are being interviewed at the di- at the dinner by just being observed. That kind of creeps people up. I actually think it's really good to see how uh, people behave when they're not sitting across an interview table. So that was one piece of it. And the final piece was like a super day where you, you were brought to Crotonville, which you know people on this call can, can Google it. Uh, it is a uh, legendary uh, corporate training center outside New York City. This is like where I found like Jack Welch. And this is like kind of the hallowed halls of GE leadership. Um, every senior leader has passed through here. Um, they had a final round interviews there. So, um, we did our interviews there and uh, again, more fit interviews. And then we had to do a presentation and we had, I forget what the time was on the presentation, but it was, it was time. It was like 10 minutes. You had 10 minutes to present something, Q and A. And if you weren't done, they would literally like, like pull you off the, off the stage, if you will. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and obviously you failed if you didn't finish a presentation. So, um, I prepared something, um, relevant Practice, 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 and I gave my pitch. And coming from sales, that was not hard for me. But there was a lot of people who really struggled. They either bit off something that was way too complex to discuss in ten minutes, or they weren't clear and concise, so they couldn't convey or be persuasive and all this stuff. And it was it was a pretty rough day for a lot of people. Um, and went through that. And again, that also finished with the dinner and cocktail hour and everything. And again, you were sitting with executives and they all were taking notes after the fact. You didn't really know this taking notes observation until afterwards, Um, but uh, that was all part of the process. So in one way, it was very difficult. In one way, it was easy. Whereas consulting interviews were, are very much about the case. It's very analytical. It's very structured. It's, you know, you, you crush the case, you don't. Um, And the fit piece is important, but um, less so than, say, like the corporate gigs. So uh, that was the GE process.
0: And, and then, then yeah, can you juxtapose what you did at Deloitte to mm-hmm. what happened at GE? And again, you were an experienced hire, so it wouldn't yep. have necessarily been exactly the same. So right. if there Definitely was anything the particular. About hire.
1: That. So mm-hmm. Deloitte and all the consulting firms I interviewed with, I networked my way in. So I found someone either in my network or someone I was very close with that could make an introduction. Um, you know, sometimes it was like, you know, we'd have an email and a phone call and then I'd meet someone for coffee and then it's okay. I feel comfortable introducing this person to recruiting. And then, you know, Hey, I heard we're, we're hiring. Let me, let me, let me connect the dots right now. And, you know, there there was, usually some work on my part to build the network in. And then, so networking your way in is very much the way to get into most of these consulting firms. Um, now that you there's the internet, there's recruiters and stuff like that, but really the best way to do is to, to like find someone in your network and network your way in to whichever consulting firm that you can. Um, and then when I was networked in uh, to Deloitte, it was an ex-GE colleague. Uh, we had worked together in a part of GE, he was pre-MBA, he went through a, a very elite undergrad finance program and then he left after the program was over, went to Deloitte and was doing well, so when he introduced me, it carried some weight because he was already pretty well respected before B-School and then I networked my way in and I interviewed and things like that and very informational interviews and then they put me into the process and the experience hire process it's a little more fit based Um, I still had a case interview but I had one not like six or seven Um, and there was a lot of fit and then I did a case interview my case interview lasted 20 minutes. the guy was going through the case. I was, you know, knocking out the, here's my framework and here's the structure and here's how I'd set up this thing, whatever. And then the, the guy was just like, you know what? I've heard enough. So tell me more about your background. <laughs> uh, you know, he put away the laminated cards and I was like, okay, I guess that's a good thing. Cause you've, you know, it was, uh, um, he'd heard enough that he felt I could think my way through things. Um, and then, you know, I've got a phone call a few days later saying, hey, we'd like to offer your job. Um, um, Deloitte it was funny though, with the Deloitte experience hires and off cycle type of thing. Um, it was right before our interview it was like end of year, so they had to like pause and then I had to follow up with them, and there was a little back and forth, and then it, over a course extra couple months for them to get an actual offer offer, get it signed, done, and 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 join join Deloitte. But uh, you can see the juxtaposition is that instead of like a very traditional kind of formulaic campus hiring. There's the campus presentation, you do some networking, you go to a coffee chat, you do a resume drop, you get the phone screen, you do this, you do this, do this, and it's very kind of structured. Um, the experience Hire Out is very unstructured, it's very um, candidate driven. You know, it's not them coming to you, you have to go to them, you have to follow up, you have to stay on top of recruiting, recruiting because oh, I'll email you in a week, you have to follow up with them in a week, they probably will be busy. So um it's very expected that you will be networking your way in. You're not bothering them. You're not uh, a trouble. That's to expect that. And if you do that, they actually like that. They like the fact that you're tenacious, you're, you're following up, you're diligent, um, you're concise, et cetera, et cetera. So very different processes. Um, but I, the way I got in wasn't, you know, my father was on the board of some, you know, company and was a client and they are doing me a favor. Definitely much my own generation. Uh, I generated that myself. That's how I, how I got into the, lake.
0: Awesome. Okay, well, I have one more Deloitte question. And then we're going to take some questions from the listeners. uh, And then we'll dive back into the next stage in your career. But my final question about Deloitte is, uh, what was one key skill that you were glad you already had when you joined Deloitte? You mentioned it was a large organization, there was a lot to navigate. Uh, So what's one key skill that helped you do that and helped you do well there? And what is one that you wish you would have been better at when you joined Deloitte?
1: Um, so I say the first thing I say like one thing that really helped me was that it, you have to like uh, there's a lot of stakeholders, there's a lot of moving parts every with everything you do. So if you want to get one thing done, there may be five or six people that have to weigh in. Um, so you have to be able to quickly identify your stakeholder map and how they influence the the decision. Um, that's one thing that I had. Another thing was um, you know really understanding that. Um, not only a stakeholder map, but like, what are the pieces of parts? Well, there's a lot of noise, you know, at, at GE, there's a lot of noise. Um, and you had to be able to like get rid of the noise and get down to those couple of things. And when you're in such a large global organization, there's a lot of things that influence what you're doing. So for example, I almost missed my number one quarter because of the, um, the Russian incursion into Crimea. I don't know if you remember that from like five, six years ago, um, and then there was US government sanctions, I think, against Russia. So we had product and services basically sitting on a loading dock somewhere in Europe that weren't going weren't moving until things got kind of sorted. So I was sitting in front of like finance leaders saying, I might miss my quarter. And I said, What's going on? You know, last month everything was great. Well, there, you know, you're you're basically telling like a dog ate your homework kind of story, but it's it's global. You know politics and global conflicts, and you know these these things weigh on your mind. Or like when the Fukushima, um, the earthquakes happened there, and the nuclear power plant erupted. GE had a factory there, so and we have people there. So you have to make sure your people are okay. You want to make sure everyone's taken care of. The families are all right. and you know, these are things you have to deal with. So when I went to Deloitte, I already went in knowing that it isn't just this point solution between me and this person I'm sitting across. There may be others involved. There may be other processes at work. So that was, that was helpful when I was doing, like, say, a cross-border merger and acquisition deal where there's a lot of people, a lot of moving parts, a lot of opinions, a lot of people that need to be influenced, a lot of people that need to be massaged, and it's going to be touchy with this person and that person say yes and this person no. So that was very helpful. The things that um, I, wish I, I wish I had, which is why I went to consulting, was that kind of rigor of analyses, the depth of how you kind of quickly analyze and structure and and work through problems slide building my slides got really good <laughs> Yes. <laughs> my spreadsheets of my slides you know even after a year of consulting were were like you know way better um and, and even now i think back of maybe like struggling early on in consulting and being like that was so easy how was i having a hard time with, with that stuff compared to the challenges i, I deal with now and um uh, So I think those are some of the things that, you know, the things that I struggled with, which I had more was, was the reason why I went there in the first place. So, you know, a lot of that, you know, classic things that you learn in consulting, why I went there and I said, yep, I'm missing this stuff. So um, uh, this is great, you know, (laughs) getting my butt kicked, but learning a
0: ton. Exactly. Well, Dan, we have a really good question about your Deloitte time specifically. And some Mm -hmm. of the questions we might save until a little bit later when we're talking about the recruiting environment right now. But this one is around moving from commercial experience five years or so into a consulting environment. Uh, Because consulting firms often look for something that's relevant, you had healthcare, um, but some other people have different things like IT, project management, or even entrepreneurial experience. So Mm -hmm. uh, from the other side, when you were sitting in the recruiting side at Deloitte, what were some ways that people made their prior experiences compelling for you? Uh, If somebody's thinking about either taking what they already have or pursuing their next job as a stepping stone to consulting, what would you recommend?
1: um when i say uh well i'm talking like so uh, like i'll focus on an experienced hire most firms don't hire a lot of experienced hires that don't have consulting already so um that's the bad news the good news is there aren't a lot of people who are say in some form of industry will say they're my, like me and want to go into consulting so that there aren't as many um and a lot of firms are looking to say um bolster some of that right you know they have their pipeline of people coming out of college coming out of b school and they need like subject matter experts or they need people with deep domain expertise um and i think a lot of firms are also trying to get a little more specialized in certain areas whether it could be in um, healthcare or life science and or certain financial service industries or something like that so um you know, the specialization is, is becoming more important, even at big firms that have to be able to not just be a jack of all trades, but also be able to be really good at a few things that clients really need. Um, so that's the good news. Um, and I think that when looking at it, you know, it had to be something, well, the thing is I would recruit just for kind of the areas that I was looking at. So for me, I would want to be looking for very specific, um, sets of experiences or specific companies types of experiences. Um, you know, and I think so, so for example, if, um, if I have an IT background, um, I would, you know, like you would look at a company like, uh, that has a big IT practice like Accenture, huge in that area. Even Deloitte has some of this stuff as well. Um, or, or Tata or one of these companies that does a lot of, um, cognizant, these kind of big, big IT consulting companies. Um, I would first look for the companies that, um, that do these sorts of things. So if I see a resume, if I was at, uh, you know, Deloitte in life science, M and someone sends me, Oh, here's a friend of mine looking at an consulting and it. it's like IT project management. Well, that, that's not what I do. And I'm not even sure where in our organization we do do that. Uh, I would, if the person had great access at a set of experience, like let's say they had, um, relevant experience and say project management, client delivery, client management, um, things that like are tangential or overlap with what we do, I could say, okay, this person's, you know, they've worked their way up. They've done some of the things that we do. So I would, you know, maybe forward on to recruiting, Say, I don't know where this goes, but maybe we can take a look at this person. Some Someone take a look at this that knows more than I do. Um, so really from anyone that's looking to get in to the most important thing is to identify the firms. Um, so the whole thing I said is you have to network your way. in. so identify the firms, that do the things that have overlap with your background. So, project ma- there are firms that just do project management and they kind of will project manage anything. And that's your thing. If you have a PMP designation. There could be uh, opportunities there. Um, IT is obviously a huge space. It's always big. It's always there's always a lot of work in IT. Um, if you have healthcare experience, but very specific healthcare experience, there are firms that just do. Um, that work with insurance companies. There are firms that work with just um, payer um, providers like hospitals. Um, and I'm speaking from my experience of people that do regulatory work uh, with like the FDA uh, or government consulting. There's all kinds of niches. And I would say look for the firms that that focus on the niche or the industry that you're strong in um, and make sure that you have experience, like your know, project management, client management, um, you know, strategic problem solving, you know, Whoa, here was a problem. I was on a team, we had a project, uh, problem and we were tasked with solving it. And here's what we did. And I led this part of it or what have you. Something that sounds like a consulting project. So those are the things I would suggest suggest if you have it, great. If you don't have it, this stuff exists in every company. You know, you find stuff like side projects and things that people are working on, um, you know, look around, you know, ask your boss, ask your boss's boss. Um, What kind of side project you can work on? It might just be an extra hour a day, but those kind of extra projects could give you the experience set that make you more compelling to move into consulting because they're going to want to see something in you that says that you're already kind of doing stuff that we do um, and you can make the transition. So I think that that's that's important.
0: Well, Dan, speaking of uh, niche firms that are more focused on specific things, I wanna talk now about your transition out of Deloitte. The mm-hmm. next place that you went was to Quintiles IMS, mm-hmm. which does have a very specific focus. Can you yes. explain why you went there and what your favorite thing was about working there?
1: Yeah, I mean, one of the interesting things about uh, Quintiles IMS is uh, they, they just do uh, pharmaceutical forecasting consulting work, So helping big pharmaceutical companies figure out where to place their bets. So they'll, should I invest in this drug area, this type of therapy, invest in this company? Um, and they need to kind of forecast the revenues into the future. So if we pay X amount of dollars, what kind of a return will we get? And over how long, how competitive is the space? All that kind of good stuff. And um, IMS Consulting, which I joined, had just merged with a company called Quintiles, which is a contract research organization, which also did some consulting as well. Um, IMS Consulting was part of IMS Health, and IMS Health was a big aggregator of data. They were probably one of the earlier big data companies, um, and they would aggregate all kinds of pharmaceutical sales data volume, sales numbers, uh, at very granular levels that a pharmaceutical company can slice and dice and analyze. Um, even sales rep activity and territory density, all this kind of stuff that they they held. And as a consulting arm, we had access to this like, huge mine of data. And we would pull on that data and analyze it and provide uh, answers to our clients. Um, I got a lot of great M&A experience at Deloitte, um, and I wanted to get more into the how do pharmaceutical companies think through placing bets and making decisions on where to invest and why and whatnot. And basically, that's all IMS Consulting was doing at the time. Uh, they've moved into some other stuff now, but but basically, I was just doing project after project after project like this, whereas if you were at a uh, big consulting firm, you would be doing pharma projects, you're doing my device projects, you're doing all this other stuff. And at that point, I wanted to just learn about this. And I just got one rep after the other, um, you know, whether it may be an M&A work, it could be a Investment decision, uh, whether to say yes or no, it could be um, product launch. So we helped the company think through the final phase of clinical trials as well as la- launching the product and you know what kind of return they're going to get in their investment. Uh, so all kinds of um, projects around that. A lot of well. M um, and A deals. Well, and yes, so that was that was a great experience because by the end of that year, I was uh, I had a much deeper understanding that I had before joining, but also a deeper understanding than if I spent several years at another firm, um, just because of the, the velocity and density of the amount of reps I was getting it was just wall in one area. So it was a great experience for me. So Dan, uh-
0: Great. So another transition after that, after you had that velocity of reps was that you moved over to L.E.K. Mm-hmm. And so similar question, what about L.E.K. did they do really well? What was compelling to move over? Yeah, No. L.E.K. L-E-K uh,
1: reached out to me. Um, they said, hey, you know, you're at IMS and, uh, you know, we'd really uh, like to uh, uh, expand our capabilities to understanding, you know, big data and data analysis. Um, and you obviously understand IMS data. And I said, yep. And they said, we also do a lot of m work and we've got a lot of m work coming in and you obviously understand that. So would you like to do some of that? Of course. So that'd be great. Um, so I went in, uh, joined them and they're very well known in life science as well. Like they're very well respected. Um, they're, they're very well known in um, early clinical R&D type supporting uh, consulting understanding what to do with your early development, uh, products, um, as well as stuff that's in the early parts of the FDA clinical trials. Um, they're very good at that. They're also very good at rare disease. Lek really understands these like small oddball diseases that a lot of people are investing in. Um, and it just takes a special toolkit really to think through these problems. So they're just excellent at some of these things. And they also did medical devices. They did, um, equipment and diagnostics. They did all kinds of, all kinds of services and Contract manufacturing, all kinds of something. I said, "Wow!" So I could take this to a bigger platform. Um, so uh, also, the other piece to that was that as an engagement manager um, at LEK, you did more than an engagement manager. at Other firms, you were really taking on what we consider maybe more of a senior manager type role. So most managers manage one project, one work, one set of team doing their work streams. At uh, LEK, you managed two projects, and underneath that was a post MBA consultant um, that ran the team day to day. So you were getting, um, much more senior level experience and you got more involved in the selling process. Um, so it was actually a great opportunity to kind of, even though my title didn't change, I actually was doing taking most more of an elevated role. So it was exciting to be able to just, you know, just do tons and tons of M and A work and get more exposure to leading multiple projects at the same time.
0: Well, speaking of more senior roles and partner, uh, I want to spend about five minutes talking about uh, your time at Oliver Wyman. And then we're going to open up to more of the career oriented questions, which I know a lot of people have. um, And there are questions ranging from, you know, how is, COVID affecting what you, what you perceive as the current recruiting environment to very specific, like, what about me? You know, what what can I do in, in this particular situation? So we'll cover as many of those as we can. Yeah, uh, but yeah. but I do think that it's really interesting that the uh, most recent stop on your tour de consulting uh, was <laughs> at Oliver Wyman. And I would just love to hear a little bit about specifically, um, you know, the, the type of work that you were selling, how it was different in the way that you use data and problem solve compared to the other firms that you had worked yeah,
1: with at Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's great, great. Uh, so I'll start with um, kind of the LEK data analysis. So we'll actually go back IMS. It was um, their own proprietary. They were the data. Like people would buy the data. Other consulting firms, pharma companies would buy IMS data. It's kind of the industry standard um, to understanding everything. So people would buy member, memberships to the data or they would buy cuts of data from IMS. So that was my first set of data analytics and they had their own proprietary analysis tools um, to analyze data so it was actually quite interesting to be like the owner and manipulator of the data um, at LEK.
0: Quite convenient uh, in some ways right Dan?
1: I know it's kind of like uh, not a monopoly but it's kind of like you know it's like you've got the water in the middle of the desert it's like come come to me uh, so, um, but at LEK which was interesting there was that you um, they were really thinking forward um, about data analytics being an important part of the future of consulting. So, classically, the the best place to be was like corporate business unit strategy, four to six week projects, sitting at the right hand of the chief strategy officer of the C suite. Everyone wanted to be there, and there's a few firms that did it, and everyone else was like knocking at the door. And and but the reality is today, it, it's more about like total value that you can bring to clients. So it's it, you know some of these pure strategy firms are doing implementation work, they're doing uh, pricing work, they're doing uh, supply chain work, they're doing all kinds of stuff, and, um, and informing that through different types of tools. So you're seeing digital practices, you're seeing you know, more implementation work on operations, consulting groups within strategy firms, you're seeing all this stuff. Um, L.E.K. Uh, does, doesn't have the scale really to do like big implementation projects. It wasn't their interest anyway. But um, what they did see was an opportunity around analytics. So one of the, while I was there, everybody went through training to um, use um, Alteryx, which is a data crunching platform. So um, there's a whole bunch of them out there, but Alteryx is one of them where you can, instead of trying to hand build like really crazy spreadsheets, this is a platform that helped you bring lots of data, disparate data together and helped you pull it together, organize it, and then start analyzing it. And um, I may not be doing fully justice to tricks. I got the engagement manager level training, which is very sparse. Yep. Uh, but it is a it's a powerful tool. And the point there is that your clients are cranking out more and more data. everything they're collecting, everybody's collecting so much more data than 10 years ago. So or even you know, five, 10, 15 years ago. Um, they wanna make it, they want to analyze, but it's coming from different systems. So you have to find ways to pull it all together and analyze it. So um, they chose to invest in Alteryx and then Tableau, which is a data visualization tool. So you would you know, pull all this data in, crunch it in Alteryx, visualize it through Tableau, and then you'd create output that you could give to your client. And the magic in it was just what data to analyze, how to analyze it, what's that analytic work plan, um, which is something I would help devise and my team would implement. They would do all the programming and the crunching, all that stuff. But then it was like, okay, how would we want to visualize it in a way that's compelling? Um, you know, so that would I be mean, another piece, right? Say, what I'm thinking as an output would be this or that, and the team would kind of um, start running through it. And we'd iterate. Um, you know, we had a we had a client who um, had a market entry plan that wasn't um, we didn't think was the right market entry plan, and they had all this data to support it. And then we did our whole data crunching and visualization thing. I won't, spare you all the details, we spent like a week or two doing all this, just just this, our whole team working on it, and um, what we, we dev- what developed was a map of the United States, here are the markets you're in, and then a county by county heat map of basically red, yellow, green, like here's where you are, here's where you're not, here's where the opportunities are, and just highlighted that, you know, just focus here, here, and here, and you'll, you know, you could double your business, basically, there's something, I'm just paraphrasing, but it was a powerful one pager that showed the C-suite investors anyone to say, oh, here's where they are. Here's the opportunity where they are. They're barely scratching the surface. They don't need to, you know, go into different countries and different markets. They could just stay where they are and, and, you know, ramp up considerably. So these are way. this is how we were thinking about differentiating ourselves is really through this data analytics visualization of the data to provide insights that helped drive and generate decisions or support recommendations that we were making. So that's the difference, right, between those two parts. And then at OW, um, they had um, um, really done. They do a lot of work with um, OW. Does a lot of work with airlines and banks, and that's not my area at all. But there's a, as you know, airlines generate a lot of data, banks generate a lot of data, and. Definitely. They wanted and analyzed as well. And a lot of it's consumer-facing data. Sometimes it's operational data. So you had people programming. You know, consultants, just generalist consultants, programming in C, programming very complex Excel models. Um, you know, whether you know all these different you know programming SQL, etc., and um, generating these very complex models that would provide output that would generate insight. Um, and this wasn't like a, you know an analytics group. This is just how we were on on projects. So. Um, what I'm driving at here is that data is becoming very important to be able to manipulate, analyze it in a very sophisticated manner. used to be able to just, you know, crunch a few numbers and put some stack bar charts up there and it would be great, maybe 15 years ago before my time, but now your clients are ex-consultants and they want, they have very detailed asks and they really want to follow the trail of how you get to where you got to it and it has to obviously take a tie and being very sharp with data analytics is kind of where things are going. Um, So very different approach to data analysis at different firms. Uh, My group, we're private equity um, due diligence, and we do a lot of consumer work, do a lot of TMT work. Um, And the work that our group does, we do a lot of consumer quant surveys. So there's a lot of work that that group does um, in um, consumer uh, focused B2C surveys, B2B, B2C type surveys. So you're doing like net promoter score and value stream mapping and things like that. So that's where you're building very detailed, quantitative consumer surveys. So that's a, a whole magic in itself on how do you structure a survey so big it follows the right data paths, how do you crunch the numbers uh, and data and visualize it as well. So the kind of point here is that, you know, three different firms, several different approaches to data analysis, but the kind of theme running through that is. The data analysis is incredibly, incredibly important today. Um, And everyone's trying to differentiate by being able to, to show this in their own special way. So that's very important.
0: Amazing. Thank you. Well, I know that people have some very specific questions about recruiting and performance uh, at consulting firms and I know that you were involved uh, in both of those at many of the firms that you were in. Yep. I'm going to start with some of the performance ones. Uh, one of the questions was what are some traits you see from those who promote quickly inside an organization? And if you want to refer to Oliver Wyman your most recent experience as the uh, as as the Key baseline for that, that's great. Or you can draw another experience, too.
1: Yeah, I mean, as far as who who kind of really stands out being a top performer? What, what, yes. What, and, and
0: Dan, I, just in light of your last question around data, I think one of the questions right now that people are asking is, how, what, how should we be upskilling? How should we use mm-hmm. a little bit of the time that we have right now? And right. if our summer is disrupted in all the ways that it mm-hmm. could potentially be, what? how do we spend our time right now focusing on skills that actually matter? So if I were to paraphrase yeah. it, is it data? Is it soft skills? Is it some combination? What is it specifically that you would Use to focus this time to build the skills that make that difference for people?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, how would you spell, I mean, I, this is just my point of view, so, you know, don't go too crazy with this, but uh, I would say learning some data anal- analytics where it's, you know, some programming, being able to program something is great. You don't have to be a master programmer, but understanding the basics of SQL, the basic, and how that's used in data, because is used at, like, a ton of places, but how is that used in data analysis? Um, there's different C, and I think C sharp. I forget which version flavor of C is being used um, in programming uh, um, a- analytics. Python, um, R. There's all kinds of tools, and then there's obviously all tricks and other platforms like that. Um, and then Tableau, obviously state There's data, different data visualization tools. I, you know, you don't have to know all of them, but I wouldn't. Understand that data analysis is like massively important. It won't be in a consulting interview. The consulting interviews are like just cases. But um, you know, telling someone like, "Oh, you know, I took some online courses and you know how to program C for you know building into an Excel model or doing data analysis," and oh, you know, I actually I you know, studied Python and um, and I actually I I don't know. I'm just making stuff. I like got a certificate and how to use Altairx. Um, that, that can't hurt because it shows you're thinking about the kind of work that they're doing and getting more into, um, be able to crush case interview. Obviously that's like the most important thing. But like, if you can also show that like, Hey, you know, I, I've t- talked to your friends and consulting as well. Um, this is like huge. You have someone who can like crunch data like that and build a good model that doesn't blow up at two in the morning, the day before it's due, and all that stuff, knowing how to write, build models, Excel models first, if you're not good at building Excel models, figure out how to build Excel models. Um, and then that, that next layer, you know, the like I mentioned all the languages, it's different data visualization tools, data crunching tools, pick one or two and just learn about them, learn how to do some basic stuff. Um, cause if you can show, I think if you can show that in an interview saying, you know, if you're going to a non technical consulting role and you say, hey, you know, I learned, you know, while we had the downtime, I learned how to program this, I learned how to build those models. and you know, be happy to walk you through a model I built or something, something like that. Um, That just shows that you're trying, you're thinking ahead and how to position yourself for that, you know, future's place.
0: Now, Dana, one of, somebody had a really interesting question just about you and your future. Now that you have this experience in consulting, do you foresee yourself going back to a large organization like GE at a senior level or um, doing something else as your next step?
1: Um, my next step, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. I've, uh, you know, I don't know that I'd want to go into a very large place like the GE, but I wouldn't say no to things. Um, you know, I can really think about, I have to be coy because I'm working on a couple things right now. <laughs> um, Fair. We, but, uh, you don't
0: have to disclose anything, but yeah, just tell, it, tell us where your mindset is in terms of yeah, what yeah, you would yeah. and wouldn't do. Or, you know, some, sometimes you know too much, Dan. So we're interested yeah, so in So I'm,
1: I'm looking at a very senior consulting role, uh, helping lead um, a practice area at a fairly well known uh, consulting firm. I'm just mm-hmm. going to be vague there. Um, and I'm um, also looking at a very interesting role um, in industry. Um, so just to give you an idea of of what I'm I'm looking at, just to kind of leave those there. Well, great. Uh, well, but yeah, but yeah there's there's definitely things things that I'm I'm pursuing uh, as opportunities.
0: Let me ask another question related to that, because I'm sure it may affect what you're thinking about doing now. Mm-hmm. Uh, from a macro economy perspective, you can see a lot of things in mm-hmm. the consulting world. What do you expect to see in recruiting in the consulting realm and sales, project sales in the consulting realm in the next six to 12 months versus some of the uh problems that you think industry will be solving in that same period of time.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, there's areas like healthcare and life science and other types of things that are just, just booming right now. Um, from a sales, you know, project sales perspective, there's certain industries that are doing really well. There are areas where, I mean, I don't know anyone in like say aviation or travel and leisure consulting, but I can imagine that's a terrible place to be right now. Um, however, there are probably firms that, um, have a good, um, reputation for crisis management in their respective industries, they're probably busy. So they probably canceled all their projects or they put some on hold, but, um, but, uh, they're probably saying, okay, uh, we need to figure out how to get through this. And then how do we, you know, build is going to be a big thing. But to be honest, a, a lot of companies are uh, saying like, we don't know what the next three to six months going to be like, but you know, we didn't have, um, the economy didn't crater because we built the economy's growth on a house of cards. Um, it, it's built on solid quarter over quarter earnings, uh, profits, growth, you know, new product introduction, successfully competing in marketplaces and meters built on good stuff. Um, and I think the market will get back to that, but it's going to take some time. So I think some companies are saying, listen, <clears throat> We may freeze hiring we may slow down a few of our projects but um we need to keep staying the course because the fear is that this isn't like um right now that if this isn't something that's going to be sustained for multiple years that it's going to be a problem where if you're not ready to go the the market's going to leave you behind every market every industry is hyper competitive if you take your foot off the gas because you're afraid of some great depression that's coming and it doesn't happen, and your competitors, you know, maybe took their foot off guests a tiny bit, but instead of 100 miles an hour, they stayed at like 70, 75, and you went down to 25 miles an hour or stopped. Um, they're going to be that much farther down the road. Um, so the work is still happening, and I think people are going to say, okay, how do we adapt and plan for crises in the future? Maybe not a pandemic virus, but maybe there's, I don't know, some weather event or something, you know, some massive tornadoes that knock out Texas oil refineries and sends the global oil market through the ceiling. So, you know, there could be some other kind of dislocation. How do we plan for that? How do we plan for this for the future? Um, What's business going to look like in the future? So um, I think those are where you're going to see the opportunity. So I think the consulting industry hasn't stopped. Um, And I think um, it may have paused in some areas, but I think some other areas are heating up. And I think it's actually a great time for consulting because nobody saw this coming in, you know, so I think they're going to say, okay, how do we plan for to, to keep going during a crisis? How do we keep our teams working? How do we keep our businesses running? How do we keep things going? And they may be able to, they're needing consulting for that as well. So I, I kind of see like there may be a lot of pausing going around. If you look at hiring, obviously pausing on hiring, things like that, maybe they're not going to move into the new office that they were going to move into. But as far as servicing their clients, they're going to do everything they can. Um, so some of the nature of the work may have changed a little bit. There may be a pause in some projects, but some clients are saying, "Listen, I'm trying to. I'm planning the next three to five years. Like this may slow down a little bit, but we're still doing that big merger with that company. We're we're still launching those products. We're still doing things." So they have to keep moving. There's only so much pausing they can do. Hopefully that answers the question.
0: That's great. Dan, I have one final question for you just Mm -hmm. to honor your time. And thank you so much for joining us today and sharing from your experience. Uh, This is a two-parter question because people asked two different versions of really the same question. One is, um, I come from largely entrepreneurial experience, not that kind of like perfect corporate experience that you were talking about before. And one is I came um, from a PhD background, so I'm an advanced degree candidate. What are the skills or experiences that they should be focusing on when networking with or pushing in uh, for their first roles in consulting?
1: Right, right. So kind of an earlier point uh, around niche niching, uh, something I uh, tell entrepreneurs um, think you want to like Can't be everything to everybody. You have to figure out what you know. What what is your brand, if you will? And I think people need to think about what their brand is. If you're an entrepreneur and you've uh, built businesses up, um, you know, if you're going to say a a Deloitte and going to their, uh, you know, working on Fortune one hundred or Fortune fifty clients, there may be um, challenge there, Um, but. I would say if you identify, for an entrepreneur, if you identify practices or firms that have practice areas that focus on growth and innovation, um, you know, that's a, that's compelling for someone with an entrepreneurial mindset who says, you know, I've built companies, I started companies. company. Um, ideally, you'd be doing it in the same industry that you were already in. Um, I'd say, so whatever it is you're an entrepreneur in, find the firms that have some innovation side to it in the industry you're in. Um, make it a path of least resistance is kind of my coaching there. Amazing. Um, mm-hmm. you know, don't say, Oh, you know what? I've, I've been doing digital marketing, um, and run my own digital marketing business. And now I want to do like it and supply chain, you know, or you know, like, like there's like, what's the connection point. Right. So, um, so there's like, there's growth areas in a lot of consulting firms, um, innovation areas, et cetera. Some firms, that's all they do is innovation and, and stuff like that. So, Try to find a place that um, that hits your hits your sweet spot in like the industry as well as your experience set from an entrepreneurial standpoint. Um, the entrepreneurial one's a little bit tougher, I mean, because it's 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 a harder one to like put a box around and consultants like things that are you know you can put onto like a two by two or something like that. Yes, but we do. <laughs> that, that's that's but that's the thing is that you know, again, buying a firm that does has like an innovation mindset. No nope. startups and innovative companies don't like small. I mean, small innovative companies, and large innovative companies. The small companies they don't have budget for consulting firms. Startups don't have consulting budget. So um, where you find yourself is like companies that like, hey, we help companies innovate, you know, and grow and things like that. And as an entrepreneur, that's what you're you're doing. So you have to be able to prove you've done it in like a very organized way. You know, the kind of like the way I used to do things by brute force isn't like (laughs) probably the way a consulting firm is going to do it. So we say like, Oh, you know, here's how I I thought about the problems. Here's how I broke them down. here's how I, I, you know, solve the problem and then implement it. I think that's very compelling because companies at all sizes sometimes need help cracking the nut on innovation and and growth. Um, So the second part was around PhDs. Um, This is actually a a PhD is actually a great entry point. Uh, Now, assuming the PhD isn't from 15 years ago and, you're not doing anything with the PhD. But if you have a technical PhD, um, there's a lot of firms that have entry points for people with a technical PhD. So, um, say you've got a PhD and you've done postdoc work or you've done a PhD level job um, somewhere. um, Most firms have an entry point for people with PhDs. Some kind of technical track that intersects with the generalist consulting track. Uh, So, for example, Deloitte and L.E.K. both had what was called life science specialist. I, I actually can't remember what the um, Deloitte term was, but L.E.K., they had a life science specialist. They'd take someone who was PhD plus postdoc or whatever experience or med school, plus you know maybe they'd been a practicing physician or not, sometimes right out of med school or research, and they would go into the life science specialist program. So was, you had to have a PhD or an M medical degree. That was the requirement. And you spent two years Um, as a subject matter expert on life science projects. And you were the person they went to to help you figure out the technical parts of the project, speak to physicians, et cetera. Um, And then after two years, you were promoted to consultant, which is actually the first uh, job you get out of B school as a consultant at LEK. So then they'd be a consultant for two years and then become an EM. Once they become a consultant, now they're on the consulting track. But those two years are used for them to, one, add tons of value as as the PhD, but also have them learn consulting. So after the two years, you know they can basically run projects on their own, and they know how to build really good PowerPoint slides and all that kind of stuff. But they still have that science set. So if you are a PhD, like listening to this, um, based on you know what you're doing, um, you if you're in a role that doesn't really lend itself to a kind of consulting kind of work, um, you know, see if you can get into projects where you are doing project work, like you know we were we wanted to analyze something. We need to solve something. The executive team wanted help with something. So I joined on this team. Again, side projects. doesn't have to be a full-time job, but I'd say side projects help. So after the course of a year, you do two or three projects. That gives meat on the bones. Um, and identify firms that have that PhD track. For, um, um, and a lot of the career pages will, will say this. So find a firm that does work in your space that you think might hire PhDs. They're always looking for people like this because there's just not a lot of people come out of like PhD, strong PhD programs and then want to do consulting work right out of a PhD program because up to this point, they've already they've been in school so long, they want to do other things. They don't want to maybe go into consulting or do other stuff. So definitely a track. You just have to make sure you're finding the firm and the practice area and make sure that your background is calibrated for that. But it's not It's not hard at all. I don't think so. I just think you just got to make sure you're finding the right home uh, for you to be able to do that work. So hopefully that answers that part of the question.
0: Dan, one final question for you. In 30 yeah. seconds or less, what is mm-hmm. your top career advice for people who are maybe a couple of years behind where you are yeah. at the moment?
1: Okay, so first thing is um, understand why you want to be a consultant, why you want to do consulting. Um, is it because consulting looks glamorous or cool or, or prestigious? Um, or is it you really like the idea of you know that kind of, solving client problems and changing projects every few months and just that kind of, that is because it is a, it's a challenging road. Uh, So I always tell people like, think about why you want to do this. Is it, does it make sense for your career? Because if you're not in consulting, you could be building your career somewhere else, right? So you could, in say five years, you do five years of consulting, three years of consulting, you could be building that skill set in industry or somewhere else. So you don't absolutely have to be in consulting is it going to help you get to the next rung in the ladder or wherever place you want to be? Um, so first try to really think deeply around that. Is this the right move for me? Is it the right move now? What will I, what am I going to be able to add? What am I going to contribute, right? Cause you're going to have to contribute something to these firms. And then what is the, how am I going to get some benefit out? And will that get me to where I want to be? So, uh, you know, some people will, Will be doing like uh, digital work and then they go to a consulting firm. There's a name brand in digital consulting, um, and then they leave that and they go to, I don't know, Google or Facebook or something like that, or a tech firm in more of a strategic product management role. In the answer, what if the answer was I would never have gotten there without consulting, then that's great. That's um, so why I went to B school. The role I got at GE, I would never have even known about the job unless I went to B school. So, um answer that question. And then the next thing is like, do I have the right skill set? What do I need to do? And if, you, if the yes is all across the board to this point, now it's targeting firms where you will be successful getting into, you know, don't, don't just look at the glossy fancy names, just find places where you know, if this is something you want to do, find the firms that do what you want to do. Start building that plan to get in, right? So day one's the job, I would have to have a job offer, you work backwards. I would have to pass through interviews, which means case interviews, which is hiring Jenny and her firm, um, getting to interview process, getting to recruiting, getting introduced, networking my way into people who can get me introduced. So follow that process, build that process map out. It's going to take six months to a year, but you know, building yourself up, making sure you're doing this for the right reasons, getting the experience set, tailoring your background story so that it fits, and then the networking plan, and then obviously the prep plan. And I'll be—I won't—and my selling piece here for Jenny or team is obviously I'm not getting a commission for this call, just—but but, but uh, <laughs> the, uh, you really do not want to underestimate case interviews. They are very weird. They're hard. And I was a biology major in undergrad, and I went through organic chemistry and physics and all this kind of nasty stuff. Um, it, they're very hard in their own way, and they're very unique. You don't do case interviews anywhere else in your life, um, so. If you're going to do this and you find out you're going to start interviewing, you need to... I, I prepped for like a couple months because uh, I was way out of school at this point. You know, if you're right out of school, these aren't that hard. They are hard. So really, really be just have these absolutely nailed. I mean, because if you do not nail these interviews, you're going to have a hard time. So you come in as an experienced hire, hmm, maybe this background, I don't know, I don't know. You crush the case interviews, you are you know, you got a very good shot at getting it. So that's my final piece there. Uh, make sure it's right for you. Make sure you tailor yourself to, to fit that, the experiences that you may need that overlap. Set that plan in motion, identify the firms, and really structure your approach to getting in and, and be persistent and you'll get in. I'm not special. Like I said, I don't know uh, board members of consulting firms. My father isn't the CEO of a client. You know, I had no, no special uh, nepotistic favors. It was just my own diligence and hard work. So anyone can do it just, um, make sure it's right for you and then just go get it.
0: Amazing. Dan, with that, I will thank you so much for joining us today. And we appreciate you, Dan. We appreciate your, the journey that you've been through and we're so grateful for the wisdom that you shared today. Thanks again.
1: Hey, no problem. Um, and thank you so much, Jane, for having me on. Um, you know, you guys do great work and I would not have not be where I am without you guys. So, Uh, Thanks again and uh, always happy to help and hope all you have a great uh, day and uh, stay safe, everyone.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. Strategy Simplified is about making strategy and strategy roles more accessible to you. Find more at managementconsulted.com or email us team at managementconsulted.com. In addition, if you would like or love this podcast, we would love to hear from you. If you've got feedback on it, please send it. And if you have an idea for a great future guest, we would love to hear about it. Thanks again for joining.